Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is David Sullinger. Uh, founder and CEO of Deep Sentinel. We're talking about uh, smart home AI, security, surveillance, that kind of stuff. So, David, how are you doing? Howdy. Doing well, thank you. Yeah. So, so tell me about uh, Deep Sentinel. What's the focus of the company? Yeah. So, the company got started, uh, not surprisingly, like a lot of founders, you have kind of a personal experience, but I've been spending the last 20 years doing various sorts of uh, research and applications of AI into business. And then my neighbor got burglarized and I went through the process of trying to figure out how to secure my family and my home and my neighborhood. And I realized that, you know, not not unlike a lot of other industries, but to a pretty extreme degree, the home security industry as kind of dominated by alarm companies was ridiculously far behind the technology curve. I mean, I I felt like I brought in the the various salespeople and said, you know, look, here's my background. Can you please just like do everything you can to impress me? And when they came in my home, I was just so incredibly underwhelmed of what I could do to protect my family relative to what I knew was possible out there with technology. And as I researched the industry and tried to figure out why that was happening, I came to realize that there were all these kind of like stupid reasons that these companies were not going to innovate. And that got me super motivated to to get involved myself. That's cool. So uh, what, what is the state of the art besides your stuff? And what did you come up with that's better? Yeah, so the the state of the art really as it relates to, if you call it like real security, is really what you see on uh, ADT commercials and you've seen on ADT commercials for the last 25 years. And the, uh, the, the context of it is you protect the home using window sensors and door sensors. And when someone breaks in or whenever you enter your home, it starts an alarm countdown and you enter a code. And that really uh, hasn't changed in, like I said, 25 years. I mean, I, I asked the, the salesmen of these various places, you know, what are like the big advancements? And the big changes they've introduced are, are probably best described in, in three uh, areas, which is the sensors became wireless, and so you didn't have to wire your whole home. Uh, one. Two, the panels connected to Wi-Fi, uh, so this new technology where you can connect things to the inter- internet. Uh, and then the third one was that the uh, the motion sensors are much better at not detecting cats and dogs. And that was like 25 years of innovation summarized in, in 30 seconds. And from my perspective, you know, I've been watching artificial intelligence and, you know, the trends over the last 20 years from big data and, and what was used to be called knowledge discovery and data and data mining and, and then became machine learning. And now is kind of AI and, and ML and data science. Um, my goodness, if there aren't just a trillion new things that you can do and to be operating on sensors that have had literally no improvement over, over the last decades was, um, was really disappointing, especially for a problem that, you know, for a lot of families, this is, this is a super, super, super important problem. And, and, you know, that applied for mine, uh, our neighbor about a, a quarter mile down the, the road actually had a home invasion. It wasn't even a burglar, it was a home invasion and, Man, I mean that scares the pants off you, right? And yeah, and yeah, to feel definitely. like the only way to solve this is to to zoom back in time to the '90s and go bring some technology into your house, like that was really disappointing. And then 
then I went and I bought cameras. And I was pretty stoked about those at first uh, until I started getting the alerts. So I installed all these cameras on my house, Nests, drop cams, Arlo's, like everything that was out there, Ring. And then my phone became this panacea of constant noise. Uh, and I, I realized that's not going to work. Uh, and so, why, why you know, was I your like, phone alerting you so much? By the way, what was it alerting you about? Like false? Well, just when you install these cameras, like they they have motion sensors and they do their best to kind of be intelligent. But um, you know, I, I spent a lot of energy setting them up, and I actually bought like really high end commercial ones called Hikvision, in addition to all the consumer ones. And they just send you alerts whenever there's motion, and they're they're getting smarter, but it's still you know, dozens and dozens of alerts. And I, you know, sometimes I'd, I'd be on a plane and I, and I remember getting off a plane. I went down to, um, to LA to visit friends and I got off the plane and I had 10 alerts and I was like, well, you know, what good did that do? Um, I'm, I'm getting off the plane. Those were an hour ago and yeah. there's, there's nothing I could do anymore. If there were someone in my house, they're gone by now. Well, what kind of uh, alerts were you getting, by the way? What, what kind of things did falsely uh, trigger? Oh, I mean, everything from shadows, uh, the trees waving in the wind. That was actually the number one. It was like, I've, I live in an area where there's a bunch of wind. I'm, my house is on a hill, and uh, and so the wind blows down the hill, and then the um, and then the trees blow in that, and that triggers both motion sensors and infrared sensors. So like our um, even our home alarm, the motion sensor was positioned so that it could get uh, light from the window, and it was going off all the time too. So we really had to tune this thing just to kind of get rid of what I would consider really dumb noise. Right. Okay. And what, so what have you uh, innovated that's better? So uh, what, you know, obviously I, I, I did a lot of leading there <laughs> with the, the AI. I mean, if you're, if you're not familiar with it in, in the last five years, really since 2000, end of 2012, 2013, there was a, a buzzword called deep learning that started emerging. And at first I thought it was just kind of a, a bunch of um, honky do because uh, it looked a lot like the neural networks from the late 90s, mid-90s and late 90s, which were called multi-layer perceptron networks. And multi-layer perceptron networks is the way that scientists and, and, and uh, mathematicians use big words to describe something pre pretty simple, which is you take a neural network, which is an artificial neural network, which is something that's been around for a really, really long time in a, in a mathematical concept. And instead of having one layer, you have two layers or, or multiple layers, multi-layer. Um, and by having multiple layers, you can actually achieve these like layers of, of abstraction that the human mind has, which is a really like novel and, and cool concept. So I could theoretically feed data into a neural network and have it figure out that um, this section of a picture is an arm, this section is a head. And when I have two arms and a head, I've got a person and, you know, it, it can assemble those concepts together. And the problem in the late 90s was manyfold. It was that we didn't have really good data. We didn't have the computing power anywhere near to what we have now, um, specifically in the case of deep learning, the GPU. So the gaming industry has been the fuel for, for deep learning. And then uh, finally, we didn't figure out some of the math. And, and when all those three things came together, um, this guy actually in France, this guy named Moez Bakouche, uh, and I'm sorry if I pronounced his name wrong, but he works at, at a telecom there called Orange. And okay. he was able to use this in a way that it defeated all other computer vision systems like immediately. And, and that's, you know, in science, you can call those like scientific revolutions where you have this huge step change, like the, the change. When you, when you say defeated, 
does that mean he oh, sorry. fixed them or he made a better system? Um, mean that if you, in, in, in AI, you kind of use various different measures of goodness. Uh, one is accuracy, one is precision and recall, and, and so all these measurements. And it basically kicked everything's butt uh, just handily um, on all the oh, different okay. measures of, of what we in, in the AI world and, and data world use to measure goodness. And right. so it just crushed them. It, like it, it, the state of the art, um, the best scientists could achieve on some of these what are called computer classification problems, um, like telling the difference between a, a, a dog and a cat or a hot dog and, and a car. Um, the, the, the state of the art in terms of telling the difference between a hot dog and a car, right, it was 65%. And uh, within just a couple of months of starting research on this new type of deep learning, which is a type called convolutional neural networks, um, uh-huh. it, it immediately jumped into the 70s. And so you're talking about 10 years kind of stalled at 65-ish percent accuracy. And with this one innovation, we're in the 70s. And then over the course of the ensuing four years, we're now into the high 90s, 98, 99% wow. accuracy at times. Um, and, and the other really neat thing is it doesn't require the Google size infrastructure to be that good. If you think, think about like the search problem, you have to have billions of dollars to be really good at search. This, I can build a really good, really, really, really good AI on a desktop that costs 5000 or $10,000, which is just astronomically better. Well, you were saying GPUs. So I know from like crypto and Bitcoin industry, they're using them for mining. But you're yep. saying you have like a little, you have a rig of like, you know, 10 graphics cards. And that has a lot more power and speed to run these convolutional neural yeah, networks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a really GPUs. similar thing to crypto, right? is that crypto is you have to do a bunch of math before you can get one answer. That's kind of the, the right. high-level idea of buying crypto. And so you have to repeat this one math problem dozens and dozens, actually millions of times, in order to get one, <clears throat> find one token, or, or, or um, depending on kind of which, which uh, currency you're using, which crypto you're using. And, so I got you. Uh, and in GPUs, they're really good at applying very limited sets of math, specifically matrix mathematics, uh, millions and billions of times. And it turns out neural networks are doing exactly the same thing. They're, they're applying these very simple, uh, consistent types of matrices, and they're doing multiplications of those matrices hundreds of millions of times. And right. so GPUs made it so that uh, instead of taking these multilayer perceptron networks from the 90s, let's say taking a year and a half, to train a network, literally a year and a half to train it. Um, when we add in the better data, the GPUs, and the better math, we're talking about getting it done in a, a matter of days and sometimes a matter of hours. A huge order oh, of magnitude okay. faster. And when you talked about, yeah, I've been reading about this recently, you said precision and recall, et cetera. So from what I understand, it's like false positive bias versus false negative bias. And you said Bingo, that right. both have gotten that, better, right? Yeah, so that's exactly right. Like, but, Accuracy is kind of the average, nah, wrong term, but like you can kind of think of it as the average between your false positive and your false negative. And your false positive and your false negative describe like, hey, am I thinking this car is a hot dog too often or am I thinking car, hot dogs are cars more often? That'd be kind of the right. horrible description, but like that's kind of the way to think about it. Um, and, uh, and so both metrics that we use to measure AIs improved again, from like 65% into the 90s over the course of three years. And if you kind of compare that with all the history of AI, the last 
35 years, right, where we were really focused on the Turing test, and then we focused on search for a while. There's a, a big focus on optimization algorithms. This right. is the first time we've seen a shift of this size really in any of those areas. And so it's particularly exciting for those of us that have been practitioners for a long time because we measure error. So a 65% accuracy has 35% error. And then a 98% accuracy has 2% error, which is a reduction of over 90% of the error. We've never seen right. anything like that in any of the other forms of AI that we have out there. All right. So what that brings us, you know, this is the technology you're using. That's great. So what have you, is Deep Sentinel just, are they doing the same stuff, you know, cameras, but uh, with motion infrared, but you just have a much lower error rate? Or you, have you so, developed so something different? That's a, that's a great question. You know, we started thinking about that a little bit. Um, I tend to be the type of person that I don't want to solve kind of part of the problem. And, and you know, this may be my, my big Achilles heel, or it could be like the greatest strength of this business, which is that if you just reduce the amount of um, alerts that you're getting into a, uh, a system, it doesn't actually protect your family, right? One of the reasons ADT's business is what it is, despite the, you know, we'll call it dumbness of their sensors, is because they've actually got a pretty consistent system of people pay attention to it, and they have monitoring stations. And so right. when I was interviewing uh, my local chief of police, it's, it's this guy named uh, Dave Spiller. He's our, our chief of police in, in the town I live in, which is called Pleasanton. And I was telling him about the problems and the ideas I had. And he said, you know, what we have actually seen is that we have this one neighborhood where the one of the neighbors installed cameras on his neighbor's homes and he got them to agree to have them all feed into his house and he monitors them all day and all night. And uh, it's the only place we've ever heard of that does this, but this guy has essentially eradicated crime in his neighborhood. And that really lit me up because one of the companies I got a chance to start many, many, many years ago was a company called Redfin. And it had that that complete solution to a problem that, that is really important to people. And in that case, it was real estate. And here, what, what this guy did was by, by doing that work, he, um, he really solved the security problem. He prevented everything from burglaries that were in progress to burglaries that were still being planned. I mean, way early in the cycle, he was able to prevent um, package theft and, and mail theft. He was able to catch right. people that are doing auto burglary, all these crimes that are never getting caught. And, the problem with it, though, is he had to stay up all night doing this to monitor, you know, six, seven homes, which is kind of a bit crazy, to be to be honest with you. And that was well, where you, know what you could you, do to leverage the a network like ADT, for instance. So your network is like, if you had a very low error rate, you could take all the instances of where the thing did go off anyway, and only send, you know, like like if I had your service, let's say, and it's a very low error yep, rate. Yep, sure. I could still get like a package daily update of everything the camera saw that could have been a problem, but I would see, okay, it was just the, the breeze or I would just get a notice, like maybe a once a day, an, an alert of like the low level things that happened. And only if like a higher level thing happened, maybe that would be escalated to a human or maybe that would be shown to my attention. Spot on, right? That's exactly right. Um, and, and so that that's exactly kind of where our thinking went was, hey, let's, um, let's build a, a way to use this AI to really make people feel in touch with their home. That's step one. But then step two is all these crimes need real-time intervention in order to actually get prevented. And so what we did was we built a system that actually ties all that back together to a set of really specially trained security people that are designed, that, that have been trained uh, through a training that is designed just to teach them to handle exactly the types of events that you're talking about. And so we reduce all the 
all the noise, if you will, from the alerts that you would get from any other camera system down to just a very select set of events. They're what we call security, potential security events. And then we take those and we send them to a human being, but we don't wait for once a day. We actually send them to that human being in under 10 seconds. And so that way we can intervene in, in real time. Then we put um, our own hardware on top of this. We added a huge speaker. It's like a 110 decibel speaker to our, our cameras. Um, we added these really bright light rings. And so that way, if you're, if you're a criminal, right? Like it's not like, oh man, that guy, like he actually was stealing my mail 32 hours ago. Uh, that guy's stealing my mail right, right now. And in, in under 10 seconds, our security staff is trained to identify the difference between you and your, your, you know, someone else nabbing your mail right, right. and come over these 110 decibel speakers saying, Hey, you, what are you doing there? That's funny. And, I imagine the speaker going, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's, so- it's kind of funny. You would say that our very first audio clip, we used to have this canned audio clip. We'd play over it and it was my voice saying, Hey, you get the F off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Are you um are you using I mean I'm just I guess I'm just saying ideas that come to me but yeah please for a house you know I'm thinking about like my house like would are you also going to include facial recognition at some point where I can send like a picture of me my wife my kids and maybe we get like someone that comes once a week to clean and you put them all into your database have you thought about adding that on so when someone's face that not recognized if it comes up in the camera that's another way to identify a potential problem. Yeah, spot on, right? So, so facial recognition is going to be one of the features we're adding to uh, our cameras in about two quarters. And it's a, it's a slightly different problem. So what we're doing first is we're protecting the perimeter of the house. And then with facial recognition, you really want to protect kind of a smaller area. So that would be like the entrance to a doorway or the, um, the entrance to the garage or your back, your back door. And so we, we want to start by protecting the whole perimeter. And then we're adding facial recognition in the, in the very near future. Well, very cool. So uh, is this system live yet, or what stage is it at? Yeah, so we're currently in what we would call a, a closed beta test. So we have it installed on a number of homes um, using our, our software, our hardware, and then we ha- even have 24-7 monitoring already up and running. So those people I was telling you about, they've, they've been on staff and trained for a number of months now, um, and we run a redundant system there to make sure that you know we've always got coverage. And, um, and so we're coming to market in... Uh, hopefully the next four to six weeks here publicly. And so we'll be uh, announcing an open beta and then mass production sales uh, pretty quickly thereafter. And that'll include everything that, that we talked about. So it's a, it's our own hardware, it's our own cameras. They're battery powered, and that makes them really easy to install. We put a humongous battery in them, about three times that you can get in any other camera systems. They last nine months. Um, then we added uh, you actually run the AI. I didn't talk about this, but the AI actually runs in your home. So we built a very special, uh, special built hub that has its own GPU in it using the Qualcomm Snapdragon GPU. And what's okay. really killer about that is that we can run it all very, very rapidly. And not only that, we actually run uh, what we call a personalized model. So for every single home, we use that GPU in their home to customize the AI. So it's really not only, you know, like you said, kind of facial recognition, but it's fully tailored to each home. And because it's also in the person's home, it can be incredibly fast. And so it includes that. And then it'll also include the service, um, which is uh, on a monthly basis. 
So what have you uh, what have you noticed that surprises you now that you're getting data and monitoring homes and stuff like that in this beta? It's got to be stuff that you're like, huh, I didn't, I didn't think about that. Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is, as a computer scientist, I've kind of thought of hardware as really cool. You know, I, I've got a, I don't know, a slew of probably 25 or 30 Raspberry Pis in my home. I have a ton of crypto miners and, and, and GPUs all yeah. over my house. You know, I think I'm reasonably hardware uh, uh, sophisticated. I will tell you that building our own hardware, even even using building on top of what is the state of the art out there, is really hard. And so we have worked really hard to make sure that, you know, like that speaker has great audio capability and it streams up and down, not only to your phone, but then to the central station and being able to manage all those different channels. Uh, hardware was really tough. One of the things that we did learn about um, people in their homes was how far just a little bit of information goes. And so, uh, for example, we did a bunch of tests last year with people that had Arlo's and Rings and other camera systems, and 100% of them, uh, these are people that spent up to like $5,000 on a camera system, 100% of them had basically turned them off within three weeks of buying them wow. because they were just so overwhelmed by how much, um, how much information was coming into them. And so when we gave them our system, it did exactly what you said. It, it creates a little package once a day and enables you to see what are just the relevant events. Man, people loved just that feature so much because they, they could review well, you know why, everything in their home quickly. Yeah, yeah, you know why I thought about that is like the problem is if the system is too good, then you're like, is it working? Is it working? Because you never hear anything. <laughs> so I realize yeah, you need right. It would be good to hear something at least every, once a day so you know, okay, the thing's working and it found two cats and three leaves and, you know, all that stuff. The guy, Amazon guy came at four o'clock, you know, but if you I mean, show nothing, then you're like, you get worried. You, know? you, you are super spot on because, I mean, the, the interesting thing is uh, when people turn their cameras off, when I, I interviewed a bunch of police departments, the other thing I learned is that, I don't know if it's a quantitative number, but about half of the, the incidents that I interviewed cops about, they would go in and the family got burglarized and their neighbor got burglarized. They bang on the door and they say, hey, you know, can I take a look at your camera system? And about half the time, the camera's been broken for like a year. Like it just literally hasn't even been on for a whole year. And because they were so overwhelmed, uh, they, just, they just didn't even know about it. And so yeah, that's, that, that's really that cool. constant yeah. engagement is, is super important. Huh. Any, other, um, any other surprises? Like um, here's a question I always wondered. So people that have these, you know, I know – Criminals watch TV and learn about technology too. Do you yeah, think they'd be hip to Ring and all this other stuff? Nest, have you seen that people that have those systems become targets because criminals know that they usually are turned off or not used, or it's like the boy who cried wolf, or or do they actually work to help deter criminals? I, I would say that those those com those products still deter. Um, that said, though, criminals are uh, becoming less intimidated by alarm systems because of what you just said. The, there's just so many people that don't arm their system. You know, five years ago, you would never hear of someone getting burglarized just because of the deterrent value of the alarm system. And that's totally changing. Um, and then Ring, one of the things that, that I am seeing, uh, in, and you, you'll see some of these videos even on, on their own website, is people will come up to the door and ring the doorbell, and they'll know for sure that you're both not home and not paying attention if you don't answer. And so they'll come uh, with a fake package, for example, and pretend they're delivering something just to see whether you answer. Boy, I heard a friend of mine tell me, he goes, you come and if there's a ring doorbell, you just knock instead because yeah. if they don't answer, that means they're not there, you know? Yep. Well, so ring does, it does have motion detection on it. So it, it'll still send an alert to the to the homeowner. 
Um, but oh, okay. if the homeowner, again, is driving or in a meeting or hanging out with their kids or going swimming, I mean, just like there's this plethora of activities that they know that they're really safe. Like, not only do I know that you're not home, I know that you're not home and you're not paying attention. So I've mm-hmm. definitely got 15 minutes to go through your stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that Any was other, one of the things uh, that really tipped me off was was looking at Nextdoor. I saw all these posts of people like, hey, here's this ring video of, you know, my mail getting stolen. Well, great. You know, that that's awesome. <laughs> uh, right. I, maybe we can send you a T-shirt or something. Right. Yeah. It didn't prevent anything for you. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so what do, you, what do you see as the uh, – oh, one, one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, you talked about a GPU, I guess, being necessary to run your AI. How much – is this power-hungry, this system, or how does it compare to other systems or to not having it at all? Yeah, it, it, so it, it's definitely more power-hungry than, than, say, not doing it. Um, the, the hub runs, I want to say, at like 10 watts. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not overwhelming. Um, it's, you know, kind of on the order of uh, an LED light bulb, right? And so it's not it's not uh, killing you in terms of how much uh, power it's using, um, but we do run the, the AI in the hub because it is too heavy to run on a battery powered system to run a really what we call mission critical level of AI on a battery powered system is still not quite yet possible. Um, that's probably you know three to five years in uh, in the future still. Okay. And then your your battery system you said it's got an oversized battery which is great. But does it does it you know does it also inter um, interconnect into the house's electrical system and you know why not have it charged from the house but then in case power goes out or something the battery lasts a long time too like or is it totally separate electrically yeah you know I mean that that ends up being a really good question at the end of the day it ends up being part of our what I would call go to market strategy is that the American consumer is just not super motivated to have someone or themselves wire stuff through their house. And so when we looked at the products that were really getting traction in the market, um, they were almost all battery powered. And, and the ability to manage battery powered products has gotten really good. I mean, again, our, our battery is not, you know, one month or, or two months. It's, it's really solidly around nine months long. And wow. so that's enough time that I'm willing to trade off the complexity of having something plugged in, especially when you think about the average electronic device for a consumer doesn't last you know, 10, 15 years like it used to. And so if I only have to charge it, you know, every nine months and I'm expecting the life of this thing to be, let's say, five, eight years, you know, that's only six, seven, eight uh, uh, charging cycles. I'm, I'm kind of OK with that. Right. And then to address that, though, um, too, you know, one of the things we did do was include an extra battery and an integrated charger just to make it a little bit easier for the customer. But I mean, those are all just like little niceties. What about uh, commercial applications? And I thought of like, what if I have a, a store? And I want to use uh, facial recognition and cameras, and I want to know, like, all right. I mean, one one way is like for marketing purposes. You know, if I know this like short, ugly guy comes in every week and buys, you know, a certain kind of. You talking about me? Okay. Yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> um, but it's like, like you know, I was thinking for for a commercial enterprise. Yep. Like I know casinos do this. You know, if someone does something wrong, they can go back yeah. in time and see, ooh, this person was here twelve times, or. But I could see you could use this not only for security in stores, but also marketing. If you know that this guy comes in all the time and he buys XYZ, then you know when he comes in, the facial record, you know, sees him, alerts him, maybe tells the clerk, hey, this guy usually buys this stuff, suggest this other stuff for him to buy, or offer him a coupon or something like that. Like, are you, are you going to be going into any commercial applications, security? You know, or for right now, we're going to. 
we're going to stay pretty focused on on the home security market. Uh, I, I definitely see what you're saying in terms of the applications, and, and that's probably out there. The way I kind of view this is I, I'd really rather do one big thing really well than get ourselves spread too thin. And, and so I'm a big fan of focus uh, for me and my team. And so, you know, I, I think there's all kinds of neat stuff that can get done there. And we looked at some of them. Um, but where, where the one that really kind of resonates with my heart in terms of I've got two little kids, I think about my family constantly, um, there's nothing more important to me in, in that type of a scenario than protecting my family. And so if we can right. solve that problem and do just a bang up job of that, I would way prefer to do that 100% well than do that 90% well and then do two other things in addition. That makes sense. We have one, one last thought. Um, this may be Orwellian, yeah. I don't know, but uh oh. <laughs> would you uh no, no I mean, nothing t- I mean you think about protecting your family is super important. So what if um you agreed and to tie in the facial recognition results uh to the local police database or a national database of like criminals? So that way if someone comes to the house and they do have a record, just by virtue of them coming to the house it alerts the police. Do you see that would be good or bad to do something like that? Yeah, so I would say half of that sounds good and half of that sounds kind of scary. Um, so the half right. that sounds good would be connecting the, the two databases together in a way that serves our, our homeowners. Um, you know, at the same time, we need to manage the fact that this is someone's home and be really respectful of that, that, you know, there, you should have a sense of privacy. I'm a big believer in, in the concept that a, a, a person's house is their castle. In fact, the one of the original names that we were evaluating for the company was a domus, uh, which is probably just a little bit too Latin for a really mass market um, company, but a domus, domus means home um, and uh, in, in Latin. And, and so I really believe in privacy at a ex- pretty extreme level. And so uh, that's a though I as a homeowner would really like to know if someone who matches a facial recognition database for criminals um, is, is at my home. And then I would like to have the option of either telling the service provider in service to me, you know, do call the police immediately if you see someone on X, Y, and Z list, but certainly alert me. Now, to to, to end on a slightly different note, by the way, I I did want to answer one of the other questions you asked about, like some of the other things that we learned in in the early customers. Um, One thing that I learned was uh, one of the most passionate sets of use cases here uh, is is actually kind of, it's kind of disappointing, (laughs) but uh, it was pretty funny is, is people that have their neighbor's dog and, uh, you know, defecating and, and peeing on their yard. And those people are really pissed, like mo- almost as emotionally charged as people that are actually trying to protect their family. Those people were like, right. no, nah, dude, I got to I got to get this guy. Like, it's just he does it every day and it really pisses me off. <laughs> and it was like the veracity with which they wanted to solve this problem. This guy lives across the street from you. You just go knock on his door and talk to him. <laughs> this is a solvable problem. <laughs> You're your neighbor. Well, people don't like so, confrontation in there. You know, yeah. 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 There was definitely kind of a, a, a level of energy that I was surprised about. Hmm. Well, very good. I mean, this is a great, great product. It's, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be uh, interested when your beta is done. So uh, what, well, let's give info to listeners. How do they find out more? How do they maybe sign up early bird to get the system as soon as it's ready? You know, what is yeah, the sure. Thank, for them? thank you. So the company name is Deep Sentinel, D-E-E-P-S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L. And our website, deepsentinel.com. We have the sign up on the, the website. You can learn more about the product. We have a little teaser video about how we, how we do this. 
um, and you can get all kinds of information about the product there. If you sign up for our email list, that's where we're sending out the notifications about our, um, our upcoming early bird. You can become a member of the beta test if you're interested. Um, and then our, our launch date is uh, in end of July, early August, and that's also going to be announced earliest there as well. Mm, that's soon. Okay. So go to the website, DeepSentinel.com, and anything people want to do, they'll find there. Yep, everything's uh, everything's open there. Um, watch our video. Uh, you'll also get a chance to see uh, a cool video. We kind of talk about what what the real difference is. How do we use AI to bring uh, these alerts intelligently to a surveillance agent? And again, actually stop crime while it's in progress. Very cool. Well, David, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you much. I, I, I had a good time. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.